Welcome to Friars and the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and with me is Roy. How you been, old friend? You're not with me, but you're, you're we're together, but we're not. You're coming through Skype. I am doing yeah. well. I am navigating uh, work life in a uh, in a pandemic, man. And I, and I tell you, being in food service, being in customer service, being in the service industry is um, it's it's tough. You know, I have sanitizer hands, man. I, I sanitize everything often. I test once a week. I tested actually today. Um, thank God they have. Thank God they have um, made the test so much easier than shoving the thing up to your cranium in the very beginning in March. Now, what's the? Is it the saliva test that they have you do? The ones we're doing is just the nose one. It's just the okay. nose test, but it's not you know shoving it to the back of your nasal cavity where you can touch your cerebellum. It's where you can just tickle your nose, which um, uh-huh. makes you sneeze, and everyone looks at you like what. No, I'm I'm kidding. But now our lives are changing fast, Roy. Oh, yeah. Now our lives are changing fast. Lives are changing fast in a lot of ways. Uh, we're going to try to avoid politics on this on this podcast. Absolutely. And try to stick to baseball. Uh, but holy cow, there's been a lot going on in the last couple of weeks. The last couple of weeks. Well, it's. It's insane. Like Christmas came to the Padres. You know, we thought remember 2015 when Preller went all rockstar gym and got. A bunch of old guys like Matt Kemp and, you know, an old but not older Justin Upton. And yeah, James Shields. James Shields. He got all these right-handed power hitters that strike out a ton and all these right-handed pitchers that issue a lot of walks. And we, so were, just, that, oh my, we were just like, oh, my God, we're going to be the best team ever. God, were we naive. Yeah, but at the at the same time, people were critical about it. The, the talking heads were pointing out the flaws in the roster – I'm not hearing a whole lot of that right now, no. but we're going to get to that. You know, but what we're going to talk to today, we're going to talk about the trades that happened. We're going to discuss the people that the players that left. Uh, we're going to talk about the latest stuff that's going on with minor league baseball, the PBA. Uh, uh, we're going to talk about, you know, how it affects value, how it affects the community. And we're also going to preview our next episode where we interview Sam Dykstra that we already have in the can. Uh, but I think that was a really good interview that I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited <laughs> about. It was a real long time. I've been wanting to have Sam on for so long. And, uh, you know, just we just kept getting players and kept getting the other guys. And, you know, I it was a long time coming. And he was everything that I expected him to be. Super cool. Uh, you know, he lives in Brooklyn. So he's, you know, he's he's got that going for him. But a big fan. He's, a you know, the show before the podcast is, uh, the show before the show podcast is the reason why I started podcasting in the first place. But let's get to the Christmas presents. Yes. Santa Preller came to town. Dude. So the Padres traded for Blake Snell. I mean, this is like, we just have to say this. You know, it's almost, it's not breaking, but the Padres traded for, say it again, Blake Snell, Snellzilla. Now, I couldn't believe, you know, when you see those, like these guys are on the trade block, you know, you didn't know you Darvish was on the trade block, but you hear all these big names. You're like, Padre's not going to get him. Even now, he wasn't even on my radar. And you would hear the personal, someone would tweet out like, hey, why don't we go get Snell? I'm like, dude, that's not going to happen. I'm so used to, as a Padre fan, taking the the the, the negative route. The uh, It's not going to happen, and we don't deserve him, and why would they do that? Right, and you see the trade scenarios that people would throw out. And you, Darvish, people were like, oh, well, give us Gore and Campusano and a couple other guys. I'm like, come on, take a hike. <laughs> and so 
when you're thinking about how is the how are the Padres going to get Blake Snell without giving up half the farm, yeah. I, it just didn't seem to line up. Um, so kudos to 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 AJ Preller and his team for making it happen. I'm a little bit bittersweet because a couple of my absolute favorite people in the Padres organization oh, were absolutely. involved in this trade. Uh, but I mean, from a baseball standpoint, it makes so much sense. And I'm really excited to see what he brings to the Padres. You know, it is Luis Patino is an OG on this podcast. I talked to him so many times for, uh, you know, up there on Lake Elsinore and, you know, there's always that God, he's going to be right next to Mackenzie Gore. We dream. We did the same thing with Luis Udias. You know, it's like, how they're never going to trade him. He's him and Tatis are going to, are going to start dating and get married and they're they're just going to be forever. Yeah, we get these emotional attachments. So the four players involved, Luis Patino, Cole Wilcox, Francisco Mejia, and Blake Hunt. Um, And so Blake Hunt, I think he was the second person that we interviewed. He was one of our very first interviews. Uh, He knocked our socks off with just the the content that he brought, the intelligence, the ability to communicate, the the knowledge about his job and how he studies his craft. We both became immediate fans, both – on a player level and on a personal level. And I think with Patino, it's the same kind of thing that you spend five minutes around the guy and you just kind of fall in love right. with him. It's like, Absolutely. I want to see this guy succeed in whatever he winds up doing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and with, with Blake, you, you heard all those stories about him and his roommates and how, you know, being roommates with several players, you know, they became friends and how they kind of helped each other through, you know, their first full season of, of a ball. And with Luis Patino, same thing. You see this guy, and he's that baby rattlesnake. I mean, how many quotes did we get from just having him on the podcast? The right. people talking about him on the podcast that we got, and the whole- but you watch him interact with the other players around yeah. him, and it's like he can lighten the mood. He can get people energized. He can do. You 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 talk. You hear like Michael Jordan makes everybody on his team better. I believe that those two guys are like that. That they expect yeah. a lot out of the people around them. They also have an understanding of what to say, what to do at the moment to get somebody in the right mood. Uh, I. So Blake Hunt was kind of buried in this trade because Mejia is a big leaguer. Patino just came up and made his splash, one of the top pitching prospects. And Blake is kind of lost in the shuffle. But I have a feeling when we look back five years from now, he's going to be an impact player for the Rays. Yeah. Well, he has the drive. He has the body. He has all the tools. And it's up to Mm -hmm. the Rays to develop that. And if not, if he never makes the major leagues, you know that guy's going to be a coach. He's going to be involved. He's going to be a baseball lifer. And we literally got that kid when his baseball life became, you know, began as a toddler. Uh, but let's not forget about Cole Wilcox, the third round. He just broke the third round money that the Padres set with a guy that we thought was going to go in this trade, in the original uh, trade, Hudson Head. Hudson Head. Hudson Head. Yeah. And you think about it, they really strategized that whole draft around picking up Cole Wilcox. I think the first pick, it was going to be Hassel or Veen or maybe, you know, some of the other pitchers. You have an idea what budget-wise they're going to do. But then after that, they picked they picked under-slot guys to yeah. put aside that money to be able to get Cole Wilcox. Yeah. So for them to trade him before he plays his first professional game, yeah, that, that says something about how much they wanted, uh, how much they wanted Blake Snell. Um it's the cost of doing business, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's a big spend <laughs> to get the guy, but we just got one of the best pitchers in baseball for three years. And here's the thing about, you know, and I was so worried after the second trade with, with Darvish, you know, and the guys and the really young guys we lost there, like, where's the system going to be? How are we going to replenish the system? 
Preller does this so well. He mixes that money up so well where you know within two years, the system, although it has taken a pretty big hit, is still going to be a top five, I think. And it's still, he's so good at what he does and the organization is so um, talented that we're going to get those guys back. And you can't replace, you know, uh, the, the story of uh, Luis Petinia who was signed, you know, 16 years old for $120, $120,000, but, you know, in baseball money, 120 bucks, um, and to have him shoot up like he did. But those stories have yet to be written for the rest of the guys that are going to be drafted. So the worry that, oh, my God, what are we going to do now has kind of subsided. And here's one thing that I've always heard, and you hear this from, from you know, those much more knowledgeable than us, is you don't want to always have the best farm system. That means you're not graduating guys. That means you're not mm-hmm. trading guys. That means you're not, you know, those guys are wallowing in the minors when you maybe not have the best team or whatever. So to use, um, to use you know, the, the prospect capital that we have to get what we got is insane. And right. This is exactly the kind of move that teams that are on the way up do that successful teams do. You know, we, as, as a, a podcast who talks about the minor leagues, we hug our prospects and yeah. we want to nurture them and see them do well. But then when the organization gets to this point, they need to make these transactions to fortify the major league roster. And I'm glad that they're not doing it for guys like Justin Upton that are here for a year. And then they walk yeah. that they're bringing in guys that are going to be here for a couple of years. They're going to be leaders on this team. Yeah, so that's we understand that this is this is a natural process, and for those guys, they're moving on to a place where they're going to have an opportunity. The Rays have needs at catcher, so Mejia is going to go in there. He's going to have an opportunity to start right away, and Blake Hunt is going to be real high up on their roster on their organizational depth chart. So he may have a faster path to the majors than he would have had with the Padres. And Luis Patino, who knows, he might have he might have lingered around as a reliever with the Padres for another year or two. Right. You know, with all the depth that they've that they're putting together. And now you go to the race, maybe they're going to give him more of an opportunity to start. So these guys all are moving on to a place where they may have a better, you know, a, a better future. You know, and 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 with and with a player like Snell, like, you know, I listened to his Cy Young speech. And I wasn't that impressed, you know. He was around friends, and it was kind of a big moment for him. And I'm like, God, you know, I, I don't, I don't know, I, you know. And this is a couple of years ago when he won the Cy Young. But listening to him on Ben and Woods, listening to him on the Zoom calls with the Padres media, I'm all in. Like, I am oh, all yeah. in on this guy. I, you know, you, you'd see the occasional, you know, the the, the slapdick prospect comment when he had it on uh, on his Twitch. You know, every night he's on Twitch and he's answering questions from people in the chat. I think um, the last one, two days ago, he had, he had agreed to go on the Ben and Woods show from somebody on the chat. And he's like, yeah, Ben and Woods, I'll do that. <laughs> now, if that happens or not, it doesn't matter. But that he acknowledges that it is huge. And I you know, went back and read the article in The Athletic about him that they did a couple years ago. Um, he still lives in the same town up in Washington that he grew up in. He still goes to the same pizza joint that he went to as a little leaguer. And... You know, I I just, I really was sold on that guy. And hear him talk about getting better. He's already won a Cy Young. And most of the time, Mm -hmm. you know, you hear guys at Cy Young, and they're going to go, you know, I'm just going to get ready for the season and do the best I can. He's like, no, I want to get better because I've only been going to the fifth inning. So I need to challenge myself, and I need to get better so I can do those things. And that that drive, that want, that need to, um, to just get better when you're already so damn good, insane. It's you know, the crazy. Padres, 
they've become overnight all of a sudden this team became the most exciting team in baseball quote unquote with slam diego and the bat flips that manny and and tatis and grisham have and tommy fam brings brings his own kind of energy yeah. and i think that that snell fits that really well apparently snell and fam are tight so fam was was campaigning to bring him on board uh, i think it's going to help mckenzie gore having another left-hander uh, with a similar kind of a repertoire, somebody to push him. Um, you because it's one thing for a pitcher like Chris Paddock to come up and so like he came up and immediately the spotlight was on him. Yeah. And he was supposed to be the best pitcher on the roster the moment he walked on the door or the moment he stepped through that door. Now you're gonna have Blake Snell, you're gonna have you Darvish there to to lead them to and also to take some of the spotlight he, off of them. Yeah. So both of those guys can show up and just focus on doing their job and pitching and not worry about about all the media interaction and the spotlight and the focus on them. You just strip all that away, focus on baseball and let's go. And Snell can can stand out there and take the, the spotlight because he's used to it. Yeah. It, well, and you know, and he's going to love San Diego and this gonna town's going to love him. Swag Diego, baby. It is now swag Diego. I um, love it. So what we got le- left on his contract is three years, thirty nine million dollars. So next year he's making 10.5, 12.5 in 2022, 16 for 2023. That's a lot of payroll, but really for what we're getting in him is not. It's a very team friendly contract. You know, for a once again, I had that small market mindset of like, oh my God, we're adding $30 million in two players. Well, and that's really why they had to give up so much prospect capital to get him because it's, I mean, they talk about surplus value. So you project out how much production you think he's going to do over the next three years. And there's a dollar amount attached to that. And there's, there's a a surplus value. So you need to make up for that with the players that you send across in the trade. And that's where you see the U Darvish deal. And you're getting a pitcher who arguably is on the same level from a performance standpoint, but the package that they had to send to get him was a lot less because the contract, you know, he's going to pull 47 and a half million dollars. And I think the way the numbers all work out, it winds up hitting the, the, the luxury tax kind of thing a little bit differently too. Um, So with that, the Cubs are chipping in about $4 million. It sounds like that covers his bonus for getting the second place in the Cy Young award. Uh, The Padres sent over Zach Davies, and then four minor leaguers, Reginald Preciado, Owen Casey, Ismael Mena, and Jason Santana. So Preciado, he's a shortstop from Panama, six foot four, and people just the scouts drool over him. Yeah. He's got the frame, he's got the shoulders, he's got the long, the you know, the long lean build. Apparently, he's got really good motions at shortstop. People seem to think he's gonna stick there. Uh, he's got a good feel to hit. He can hit from he's a switch hitter. Uh, he's showing he's got speed. He's got some developing power and he's got the frame to add the power. Yeah. So he's got all the stuff that you would want in a, what, a 17 year old kid. And it's just, it's somebody that scouts dream on, uh, but he's an unknown. Yeah. And with AJ Perler, he's already been here since 2014. Who knows how long he's going to stick around. So when I saw these names going over, I'm thinking, okay, Zach Davies, he's obviously a major leaguer, yeah. but the rest of these guys, they're probably not going to crack a major league roster for at least the next two or three years, probably four. Yeah, easily. So is Preller going to be around by then? Uh, who knows? Even if they go on a winning spree, he might still move on. So 
you don't hold on to that, those future assets, when you can cash all that in and get, again, one of the best pitchers in baseball in you, Darvish. Yeah, well, the way I look at it, in, in all respect to Zach Davies, he's a major leaguer. He did, he was our stopper last year. You know, when we would lose two or three in a row, he'd come in and he'd stop the losing uh, losing streak. But with Reginald Owen Casey and these guys, that's there's Tiger Beat. Those guys are on the front cover of Tiger Beat. Dreamy. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, really great to see. Really good looking. You know, that little twinkle in their eye. But they're uh-huh. young. You're young. Right. And, you, you know, you see these, uh, you know. <laughs> and you get in him, you get the front cover of GQ magazine in New Darvish, in, in, in Blake Snell. You know, you, you get the front cover of these guys on the larger magazines who are grownups and their GQs and the, uh, I don't know what other magazine I want to put up against that, but <laughs> the Tiger Beat thing just came to me. I just, uh, I'm just being crazy. Well, so we can't, we can't ask anymore from what, uh, from what Zach Davies gave the Padres last year. He was fantastic. He was the most consistent pitcher on the team. Yeah. Um, you know, working deep into games and he, I, I feel like he's the kind of guy that gets the most out of what he's given. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm sad to see him go. I think he was good with the community. He was good with the media. Uh, yeah, he was on Twitter. Like the moment he got traded, he goes on there. He's like, okay, I like golf. I like Mexican food and I like dog parks. What do you guys recommend? <laughs> you it's got, like, okay, right. come on. We got you. We love it. Um, so, but then again, to, to finish out the guys that got traded away, Owen Casey uh, was just, just drafted last year. Um, you know, in the same draft as Cole Wilcox, yeah. they gave him a pretty sizable bonus for a kid out of high school. He's from Canada, so there's not a long track record of performance, but he's got the frame. He's tall, broad shoulders. He's got the power stroke. People think he's going to hit for a lot of power once he uh, once he fills out and everything. Um, you know, you hear some comps. I mean, I heard people talk about like Jim Tomey and all this. I, I don't know what to do with that, but he's probably going to be a corner outfielder. Um, and then Ismail Mena, he's a left-handed outfielder. He can play center field right now, super athletic kid, and he's the, the typical kind of Preller guy. And then Jason Santana is a shortstop. He's the oldest one of the group. He's the only one that's played any affiliated ball. He went to, I think he went to Tri-City yeah. um, briefly. Uh, shortstop, he's an athlete, and that's that's kind of the book on him. It, it reminds me a little bit of um, – uh, Jordy Barley, yeah. that he's just got, he's got the body, he's got the frame, he's got the movement. It's, is he going to figure out the hitting and put it all together? You know, right now we don't have the patience to, to wait for yeah. these guys to put it all together. We got to win now. Yeah. And, and, and now we got a guy who throws what, like two dozen different pitches. Oh my God. He's like, <laughs> like the Swiss army knife at pitchers. But it, you know, just to kind of go back to Zach Davies. What I loved most about him was watching those Zoom calls with his glasses on and his third grade teacher kind of look. And you're just like, mm-hmm. I can't believe that guy's a major leaguer. Like that guy yeah. gets, and he gets major leaguers out with 88, 85 tops. And he makes them look silly. And he makes, makes them look stupid. How many yeah. swords and how many, you know, how many times did he show up on Pitching Ninja uh, uh-huh. with, with the way he just works the, uh, works the strike zone. And, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I'm, you know, I, I'm sorry to see him go, but that's too bad. And, and I'm sorry for the Cubs mm-hmm. because they're losing, you know, this is the fandom that it's funny. Like, even as the lovable losers, the Cubs fans, you know, I don't want to go too deep into beating up on other fandoms, but they just seemed like they just were so much better than they actually were. And then they right. won a World Series for the first time in 108 years or since, you know, mm-hmm. before the Titanic, I think. Um it is again really insufferable. Now they're kind of reaping yeah. what they sow, and and well, and a little bit of the organization and how they they treated 
um, Bryant, Chris Bryant, and he's probably going to be traded as well because they're going to do the rebuild, and he wasn't going to sign him with them again. I don't think anyway, simply because of that, maybe not simply because of that, but I mean, money talks, but yeah. right now it's pretty clear that this was a salary dump for the Cubs. Um, and it makes you wonder if they're done because now Wilson Contreras, they've got Javi Baez, who's making a bunch in arbitration. Uh, I mean, even guys like Anthony Rizzo that have been around for a long time, you know, it makes you wonder if, if they might move them, if they find the right, the right trade partner. Yeah. So with this, the Cubs got one guy that can plug right into their rotation, uh, durable starter who's back end starter, but you know it's at least an arm for them. And yeah. then four guys that they can dream on. Yeah. yeah, the I know Cubs fans are unhappy with the return because it's four people whose names you've never heard. They don't show up on prospect lists, and you can't really you can't look up their stats on Baseball Reference. Uh, it, they're they're lottery tickets. Yeah, you know who knows what they're going to turn into. But this is the kind of thing that when a team's stripping it down, we've been on the other side of that too many times. Yeah. You mentioned 2015 when that didn't work out. Then Preller started trying to, to trade off all these assets, I and mean, he didn't know when he picked up Matt Kemp that he was going to turn into a giant turd, right. or that Derek Norris was going to be a clubhouse cancer and fall off the fall off a cliff. But I mean, even Derek Norris, he turned him around and got Pedro Avila for him. As it's we've been on the other side of that coin yeah. so many times, and so now it's it's so different to see a roster where you're looking at a whole bunch of position players that are just solid, yeah. and then you've got some pitching talent. It's like okay, we need one guy to take the lead. Okay, here's two, and here's two of the top like ten or fifteen pitchers in all of baseball. Go get them, kid. Right. I mean, like, what a world are we living in? And we were, how close were we to the, just today? We were so close to signing uh, the last Japanese pitcher, Sugano. Yes, Sugano. Yeah. They, yeah. They were having talks with him. Apparently, they couldn't come to terms about, yeah, he decided to go back to Japan. But I wasn't even, I, I figured that they were, after making these moves, you know, you, you maybe bring in one more pitcher. Right. You got to find a reliever. You need maybe one more infielder or you need an outfielder. But guys that are kind of on the fringe of the roster, I wasn't expecting them to try to go after, you know, a middle of the rotation kind of pitcher. But, you know, go for it. I love it. Yeah. And then top out all the, all the, God, all the Preller Palooza, the Preller Santa Preller. They signed Hassan Kim, 25 year old. Yes. Stud. Yeah, we're going to – there's the a lot of uh, – people are are unsure. We don't know what he's going to be, but in the KBO, he was the best player in the KBO the last couple of years. Shortstop, solid fielder. He's got a good arm. Uh, the guy hits for power. He gets on base a ton. Uh, he's got speed. He stole more than 20 bases the last couple of years. Uh, and then in his press conference, he's talking about how he's willing to play around the outfield. He'll try the around the infield. He'll try the outfield if they need him to. And he just wants to win. Yeah. And he's saying all the right things. Yeah, I'll, I'll shag. That's fine. I'll, I'll shag baseballs. I just want to win. That's all I want to do. God, let me just. I'll, I'll coach third base. Come on, put me in the lineup. Um, so one other angle to this is now we have you, Darvish, who is revered in Japan. And he has his own museum in Japan. And with ha Kim, he was a superstar in Korea. So the Padres have just tapped into an international marketing, yeah. uh, an international revenue stream yeah. uh, from two countries that are really heavy into baseball right now. So I think that's a you know, part of the reason why I think uh, the, the Padres' ownership opened up the purse a little bit to say, okay, yeah, let's go ahead and bring these guys in. Was because they knew that they were re- going to recoup some of this in revenue. Absolutely. When 
when Kazuisa Makita was on the team, you know, we sit out right by the bullpen. We saw Japanese tourists that would come and sit and watch Padres games just so that they could watch Makita. And with Makita, you're talking to I mean, he's a reliever. He's the soft throwing underhander and he's kind of an odd cat. And now you're going to have two rock stars out right. there. Right. And maybe, and, and you, I think you mentioned this on Twitter, maybe they can bring, maybe those fans can bring a little bit of that international flair to the fans. And I know that's a big ask and I'm, I'm asking let's, you know, rainbows and puppies, but some of that excitement where it's more of a party in the, in the, um, you know, in the stands than it is and just us being quiet and listening to every pitch. Um, well, somebody suggested starting a cop like in, in the, uh, in, in soccer games. They, and that's what they get KOP. It's where the group of fans, they all, they have banners and they're singing and chanting and all this stuff. They've got drums and all these noisemakers and you watch Japanese baseball and they've got, they've got drums and horns and they've got songs and stuff that they do. Uh, and in the, the A's, they've got that drum section up there. That's, that's constantly making this ruckus. Yeah. I would love to have some of that energy. I never got to go to any of the world baseball classic games. I understand some of that was happening when, when the, you know, the Asian teams were, were playing there. Yeah. I would love to see some of that at Peco park. Oh, it was insane. I went to the first round uh, of the very first uh, world baseball classic and those games were insane in, and it was just that energy there is, 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 is palpable, you know? And as American, that's kind of the funny thing about American baseball. It's like, it's like, shh, until something happens. But in between something happens in the international games, it's a freaking party. And I love it. it. You know, and, and, and particularly in the Japanese league, every player has a song that they sing every, and that's so weird, <laughs> you know, and it's a song. I don't know if it's made up. I know for, um, for, for Kim, they took a popular song and then they turned it around to be about him. Okay. I, I can't remember. I saw it on YouTube. It's one of those things. I was so excited. I found a bunch of stuff on YouTube. I can't remember exactly what song it was, but it was, you know, it was them doing it for him about the song that was popular in American culture. Anyways. All right. We can, we can incorporate that. And then I, you, you played the name game here a little bit. <laughs> Dude, well, brother's like, okay, all right, all right, we can get rid of Austin Hedges. Okay, you know, let's, um, uh, hey, Austin Nola. Maybe we can bring in Austin Nola. We can keep the Austin thing going. And then. Oh, wait, before that, we had Austin Allen. Yeah. And then we had uh, 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 the, the pitcher that, that we traded to, to, to Cincinnati, Logan Allen. Right. Yeah, I was excited to have an Allen Allen battery. It never happened. Right. That would have been cool. <laughs> or even, you know, if we would have kept Blake, it would have been Blake and Blake. Blake Hunt and Blake Snell. Blake, that would have been really cool. That would have been, you know, some kind of, I don't know, some kind of cheesy dictative show. <laughs> you know, and that's another thing about the Padres. And, and you mentioned, that's the long game. And I think Seidler said this to the public and the media in general. is like, if we're going to lose money, we might as well get good players doing it. Okay. Know? Because eventually we're going to get people in the stands and they're going to buy jerseys, and they're going to come. You know, they're they're going to recoup their money, and, and mm -hmm. the marketing you have for these guys is just through the roof. I mean, well, I, would... I find it interesting that the Padres, you know, all these other teams are are dumping money. That today the yeah. Cleveland Indians traded Lindor uh, and Carrasco to the Mets. Yeah, and now they like right now their their roster on paper is like thirty five million dollars, and yeah. it's like these teams and the whole central, both the AL and NL. It seems like all of those teams are just dumping cash right now. The Padres see a. It seems like Preller's always going for the market inefficiency, and today's market inefficiency is 
trying to win and being able, being willing to spend a little bit to, to fortify your roster. So he's taken advantage of that with two teams, both the Cubs and the Rays that have expensive guys that they wanted to cut a little bit of payroll and Hey, bring it on. So to wrap up all the transaction news, uh, Greg Allen center fielder was traded to the Yankees yesterday for left-handed pitcher, James Reeves. I've tried to find some scouting reports on him. He's a left-hander. Sounds like he throws kind of sidearm. Um, doesn't strike out a ton of guys. Walks more. Kind of from a stat standpoint, he reminds me of Travis Radke. Okay. So he his fastball barely creeps over 90. He relies on deception. Radke's more of an over-the-top kind of a guy yeah. versus the sidearm thing. Maybe he's kind of a Tim Tim Hill. Uh, but he's a minor league piece. Uh, you know, if, if things go right, maybe he'll crack the major league roster at some point. Uh, but it's rather than letting Greg Allen walk on waivers, you know, you get a left-handed pitcher who might help you down the road. Right. And in, in depth in the minor leagues. And, For sure. You can never have too much pitching. Never. And then they signed uh, outfielder first baseman, Brian O'Grady to a major league deal. He also came from the race. Um, he's an interesting guy. So he's on the 40 man roster. He can play center field, all three outfield positions. Um, He has a little bit of first base and third base in his background. Uh, I I have a feeling he's going to be like the fourth or fifth outfielder. I still think they're going to try to find one more like impact bat to put into the outfield mix. Yeah. Uh, They're talking about even still going after Profar maybe. Um, But if it doesn't work out, then Brian O'Grady has shown some, some talent. (laughs) So maybe he just needs an opportunity and a little, you know, to to have a breakout. And maybe we can get lightning in a bottle like we did with Profar. Who knows? You know, who knows? And, and for for super cheap. But I got ten percent left on my phone, so we need to get through this. Um, okay. Uh, they also <laughs> drafted outfielder Sam Ruda from the Yankees in the minor league phase of the Rule yeah. Five draft. I don't remember if we talked about that last time we got together. I, uh, left-handed so guy who seems ago. to do everything pretty well. Um, but again, a minor league minor league piece. So moving on, this is going to go into the interview that we have with Sam Dykstra. Is Evan Drellich had the article on the MILB owners, and we do get into this with 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 uh, with Sam. But you know, we have here. To, I'll just read this here. The reason why so many of the team statements were, if it is in the best interest, is because they have to ex- that they accept the invitation. Sorry, goes to show you how many owners seem wary of an outright of outright happiness. Some teams are suing to get in. And other teams are not sure if they want to be in. They have to sign a non-disclosure agreement. And um, a, a word I looked up that I just didn't understand, it, even when I looked at several different um, meanings, was uh, with the, 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 the indemnity. What's the word I was looking for? Indemnity. Indemnity. Yes. So that means yeah, that there's they... a lot of liability. There's there's licensing rights. There's territorial rights. There's a whole lot folded into this agreement that they're uh, that they're expected to sign. And it just didn't, you know, it, the owners have to look to see if they're going. to Obviously, they're going to sign. I really don't think any of their partners now they're called the partners, no longer affiliates, and that's kind of the big change in minor league baseball with major league baseball is their partners and. If you do not keep up your affiliate, if you don't keep up, you know, to standards, they can drop you. And even mm-hmm. though these contracts are sometimes 10, sometimes 15, sometimes five, they can still just say, hey, you don't meet the, the requirements and we need to drop you. So it's it's not a done deal. And we'll see what happens with those owners, the partner owners, if you want to call it. But it's not, you know, it's, it's, not, very, uh, it's not very team friendly or it's not very uh, partner friendly, I think. Well, and the negotiation side of it, it isn't where you have two 
equal partners like the ba- the Major League Baseball Players Association yeah. and the owners sitting at a table and there really is power on both sides. With this, MLB really holds all the cards. They yeah. can call the shots. And, and it puts a lot of the – because the minor league teams are owned by different ownership groups. Some of them stand alone. Some of them you – know, there's a group that owns a half dozen teams. Uh, teams. Yeah. Um, and they all have their own varying different interests. And so how do you get everybody on the same page? It, it's a very complicated topic. Uh, and so it's it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. But it really does sound like MLB kind of has the – I mean they've got the – They've got the yes. knife to their throat, like yeah. sign it or we'll find somebody else to host our team. You know, and who knows? And, and let's play a little bit on the on the bright side. Who knows um, all these changes that, you know, there will be a little more efficiency in, in the draft, mm-hmm. you know, shortening the draft. They mm-hmm. are boiling down the talent to get guys that drafted that have a really good shot at making the major leagues. Um, so your guys in a ball, you know, at any given time, maybe two of those guys are gonna, might make it to the major leagues, maybe three. Now in A ball, it's more like high A, and the high A right. is more like double A, and you know, and it just kind of pushes all the talent level up, and so True. the chances of success are greater. And let's see how that works out. Let's see if adding cameras to these ballparks kind of bring a little bit better of a fan experience uh, for people that don't live near your local right. ballpark. And yeah, and um. You know, I'm hoping that the 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 promotions that that there's more cross promotion between Major League yeah. Baseball, Minor League Baseball, that there's a little bit more attention on Minor League Baseball as a whole, as a as a product, as a, a marketing product yeah, that Major League Baseball needs to support. Yeah, absolutely. You, how much money? I almost said this to Sam. Is like I spent. We spent sixty five dollars a ticket to get to the Padre game. Okay, and sit in a really nice seat, but it's sixty five dollars a piece. Yeah, for sixty five bucks, you can take a whole family to a game and buy some hot dogs and cokes, Lake Elsinore, and then sit right behind the dish and watch ninety-nine baseball and have a blast and feel a little more connected with the minor league baseball. But it's amazing how there's so much potential there with, with the entertainment dollar and and with major league baseball, with the power of major league baseball, how they can affect um, positive change. And let's hope that these these partnerships, um, you know, maybe major league baseball can also kind of put in. Because they're community partners as well. Not only are they the Lake Elsinore Storm, but they're you know they're the food drive guys. They're the um, paramedic. You know they're just such a part of the community in raising awareness, in um, helping organizations, and being a community partner. That that affiliation with Major League Baseball can even elevate that to a higher level. Because these communities that do have these teams, they rely on them. They they rely on them for so much. I think several of them this year became polling stations. Um, you know, there's always food drives there. There's always um, awareness nights and just, you know, they're a part of the community, not just a form of entertainment. So I hopefully with this new agreement that that comes along really elevates that as well. And it's not just Major League Baseball, you know, kind of living off the, you know, the toils of a um, of a little brother. Right. And I'm also interested to see how. So you've got all the the affiliated teams, all the partners, but now that you have these new partner leagues, collegiate woodbat leagues, you've got the the dream league, the draft league, uh, and that's going to be tied in with Major League Baseball on some level now. So I think there's going to be different opportunities. So the communities that are losing affiliated ball, they're not losing baseball altogether. Right. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see how that transition happens. Um, is hopefully the communities still have an attachment to their local team. Uh, and it's still a, a product that benefits everybody. 
Yeah, and and we're so we're still gonna get those stories. Yeah, he was unsigned draft. You know, he wasn't drafted, and uh, you know, he got picked up in the the Dream League or the Collegiate Woodbat League, and you know, he made a name there, and you know, they got signed, and now he is making his major league debut as a pitcher or whatever. You know, you, we're still gonna mm-hmm. get those. Those stories that makes me love minor league baseball, that makes me love baseball so much, those underdog stories that, you know, you don't really get too often in other sports. But in baseball, since it's such a hard game to play, and occasionally, you know, we'll get two or three of those stories a year. Oh, yeah. um, The guy that comes to mind is Adam Simber, that he kicked around in the Padres organization for several years, and then all of a sudden, something just kind of kicked up. Yeah. And he just rocketed right up, and now he's stuck as a major leaguer. He's he's remained at the major league level for a while, and that's that's awesome. Yeah. A guy that you kind of you look at it, he's he's a funky guy, does something a little different, and then all of a sudden a, a switch flips and he makes it. And that's the thing is that the difference, the the guys that you have in A ball and Double A, they're really good athletes, and it's a huge step up. But at the same time, it can be a minor adjustment that winds up making the difference from one to the other. Yeah. And so going from unaffiliated ball, independent ball, and then taking a couple steps and making it there, it happens. Yeah. Just this last year, there was a guy, you know, it was a weird year, obviously, but there was a guy that, that got signed by the Marlins. He was out of affiliated ball completely. I think he was throwing on, on YouTube and on Twitter, and they picked him up. And like two weeks later, he was in a major league game. I mean, just incredible. That's it, it's insane. Um, with the Padres right now, Tim Hill was playing rec ball, and the guys that were in rec ball were like you should go try out. Like I think the guy he was playing with had some I, I don't know friendship or something like that. But he's like you should really go try to play major league baseball. And uh-huh. I think he went to a tryout. And now he's on our roster. Now he's gonna be right. You know, it, it's just. But that's I'm I'm trying to see the good in all this, and so much that's of this, the romance. Yeah, the romance of baseball. And we try so hard. We're so hard on Major League Baseball so often that, um, you know, we just got to look at the bright side. And that's what really yeah. needs to happen these days is there's just, you know, with COVID, with, with what's going on in the Capitol, with just everything that's been going on in 2020, now it's slowly seeping into 2021. Let's think positive. Right. So before we wrap it up, there is some news that has come out about Minor League Baseball that, that I want to touch on. Um J.J. Cooper, Baseball America, came out with an article with some proposed changes. It sounds like spring training is going to be a staggered spring training, like it's been kind of bantied around. Uh, They're going to have the major league players and the AAA players uh, like on a normal spring training schedule. And then when they break camp, then AA, single A and rookie ball, those guys are going to come in and start their spring training after the 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 more advanced yeah. players clear out so the intent there is to reduce the number of people that are interacting because of covid um we don't know what the distribution of the vaccines is going to look like yeah. uh, but they're trying to minimize you know how many people are in camp because you think about it there's what 200 players in the organization plus all the coaches and staff and and all of that it's a lot of people yeah. right there in a, in a condensed area so they're trying to split that up as a result when the minor leaguers break camp, it's going to be a month, a month, month and a half delayed. So their season isn't going to start until probably the back end of April, maybe early May. And that's going to push the season out possibly into the first week of October. The other part of that is that there will be no playoffs this year. In minor so league we're baseball. in minor league baseball. Yeah. yeah. We're assuming that there's going to be a season played at the affiliate sites, you know, God willing in the Creek don't rise, knock on wood. Right. Um, uh, 
So and and hopefully people can attend. You know, even if it's in a in a minimized capacity, hopefully there will be minor league baseball at the affiliate locations, and people can attend them in person. Um, but there won't be postseason. They're changing up the scheduling, so it's going to be six days off and one day on. Or I'm sorry, six days of baseball and then one day off. So that spreads out the days off. That simplifies the logistics for travel. So with the um, with, with there's so many games being played in a row with the same team, you know those players uh, they got to make adjustments, and I think that's going to accelerate a little bit of the learning curve. With I know what this guy throws, he knows what I like. He's going to make the adjustment. I'm going to make the adjustment. So I think it, yeah, you can't really, that's not going to be tangible, but I think you should be able to see a little bit of an acceleration with, um, you know, with players and seeing the same team for so many days in a row and so often. Right. At the major league level, they've got all this video uh, to, to review. They've got all these metrics and all this. You don't really see that at the lower levels. Uh, there will be more data than there was, yeah. uh, but they're going to have video to analyze. They can... But seeing the same guys, you know, like you were saying, you know what somebody throws, you know what defender has more range. You know, there's a lot to it. How fast the catcher, you know, what their pop time is and that right. stuff. Uh, it's it's going to help them with their preparation. I think that's an adjustment guys make when they come up to the majors is now all of a sudden they're hit with all this data and they have to learn how to process it. Yeah. So maybe they'll have access to more of that on the way up. And it's a lot of positive changes overall when you think about it. It, it is. And you know, as much as we have... It- we want to battle for the the, the the minor league town and, you know, the minor league player. Um, it is what it is. And to see a positive is that it is going to be more efficient. And if you look down right into it, it is a smart thing to do to to kind of boil down that talent so it's a little bit more of a, a little more efficient. Sure, some of those towns are not going to have affiliated ball and there's going to be massive, I mean, it could be some ma- major changes in them towns, in the town, sorry. Um but I think in a few more years, you know, after everything settles down and, you know, everyone kind of settles into this new normal or this new way that minor league baseball is run, I think we're going to forget about it, you know. And I think there'll be yeah. some positive and there could be some negatives. But I think, you know, after a while, it's just that's just going to be the way it is. What makes me sad, and this is happening in a lot of industries, but really a lot in baseball, is you're, we're just losing a lot of really good people. Yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of people that with this lost year, um, yeah, they're going to walk away from the game. You have people that are maybe older, older minor leaguers, they're going to make a decision to go support their family rather than trying to chase a dream for another year. Maybe some of these towns, they'll lose some some business related to the ballpark because of a change in business operations and stuff. It's so that makes me sad that there are just going to be people walking away from the game and then older, you know, players that have been triple A journeymen that just, you know, they're 27, 28, 32 years old and they just decide to hang it up. Um, that, that's a shame. It is. But it's just a fact of life. It's something we just have to deal with and try to find the bright side. Yeah, and and a lot of the times you can't really you can't quantify it. But those guys that are just trying to stay to the game another season, just trying to stick on a little bit longer, really helps in the development of the younger guys. And, right. And you know you can't once again you can't quantify it. And you hear on occasion from players going, "Yeah, I remember so and so. I I pitched with him for a couple of years, and you know he he really helped me in just kind of seeing the bigger picture." Um. Along with all this new technology, you know, it's kind of a you can put it this way um, with the big change in in the uh, the structure of minor league baseball and really the onset of and the use of technology, you're seeing kind of a shift in in the way baseball is run and how things are now than you know the way they're going to be. So also with the loss of the players, you have a loss of 
the scouts. You know, there's nothing better than hearing that, God, the Don Welkie story of, you know, being, you, you hear from Sam Ganey every now and then, you know, how did you find Luis Patino? Well, we're in the middle of nowhere, Colombia. Well, I think he was in the DR, but like, you know, they go to these places in the middle of nowhere to scout these kids. Um, and that's just, you know, that ain't going to all, all the way go away. But, you know, you're going to miss some of those stories, I think. Yeah, it's 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 progress on some level. But you look at kids coming up and they have to they 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 have camps, they have these travel teams and it's there's so much money involved, especially in the U.S. It's it's so expensive to usher a kid through the years of development that it takes just to get recognized, just to get noticed by a scout. Uh, And there are a lot of families that invest years and thousands and thousands of dollars into it and really push the family to the edge to try to give their kid a chance. Uh, and that's yeah, you, you don't hear the stories about the kid that grew up in a humble background. I guess Tommy Pham is is one example like right. that, where his mom worked two jobs. He was basically raised by his parents. His dad wasn't in the picture. But that's a really rare story compared to how it used to be that there's just Johnny over on the farm throwing rocks at a right. knot hole in the barn wall, the wall of the barn. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't really hear that kind of story anymore. No. Um, the, the one story that reminds me of um, Andrew McCutcheon tells the story. Um, and it was to really show how much you need to pay to get seen, develop, and kind of get your name out there. He was the best team. He was the biggest fish on his team. And the rival team, the rival team that, you know, were that was like... They were the Yankees and the Bad News Bears, and he was the Bad News Bears team, but he was the best. He was the Kelly Leak, and the coach really wanted him on his team. And, you know, his family said, you know, we can't, we can't afford it. And if it wasn't for the coach that stuck out and put up the money for him, was he going to ever, you know, and he says, if I, that man didn't do that, I wouldn't have got the possibility to be seen and move on in my career, even as young as he was. So, it is becoming a, a, a I want to say rich, it's a wealthy person's game. It's a, yeah, it's getting to be a wealthy person's game. I don't want to say rich person, but certainly you need the resources because um, kids just don't play baseball now. They're in you know little league and play in the high school season, and they play fall ball and they play travel ball and they play year round. Um, some mm-hmm. say and too much. Um, There's not enough cross. There's not enough cross pollination with you know. I only play baseball since the age of twelve. I don't you know. You hear it all the time. Right. Since my sophomore year in high school, I stopped playing football. I stopped running track, or I stopped playing water polo because I wanted to focus on my baseball. When those sports, you can't see it, but those cross that cross pollination of sports makes a complete athlete. You know, I think that's you. Know, Preller has a tendency of going after guys that are multi-sport athletes. Like Ryan Weathers, he was the point guard on a team that I think they went to the state championship. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was like an all-state level basketball player on top of being a really good baseball player. You might not think it watching him walk out onto the mound, but the guy's an athlete. Yeah. And the theory is that playing these different sports, it trains your muscles to do different things. So then you're not your body's not you know so conditioned to do one thing. Right. There's the idea that maybe that exposes you to some added injury risk or something, yeah. you know, because, I mean, yeah, as a pitcher, he stands there, throws, throws, throws. But then what about when he has to get off the mound and make a play or, you know, there's so many things that happen yeah. on the on the field that you can't necessarily train for. It just happens yeah. playing and, the game and the conditioning and say a sport like basketball that you get in there and the, mm-hmm. you know, baseball is a, a what is it they say? Baseball is like a stop 
to 100. Yep. You're, you're zero to fast as possible. When most sports are just kind of like, all right, let's go. Let's go. I mean, football yeah. is different with the, you know, the passing, but it's, yeah, it's a different. You, you have all you're using different, different muscle groups. Yeah. I'm Buddy Reed played hockey coming up and that, you know, guys play lacrosse and all this other stuff. I, I think that's good. And just for the, for the kids from a psychological standpoint, it gets you thinking about different things rather yeah. than just focusing on one thing. And, yeah. you know, here's Mr. ADD boy over here. I, I, can't focus on one thing i have to be looking at five different things at a time you should see the number of browser tabs i have open right now i just i, I that's how i operate well we were talking to my yeah. league baseball we just took it all the way to a uh, little league wow yep. <laughs> we but cover it, all levels of baseball here we'll, on friars on the farm right. hey well and with that we are going to um we're gonna end this episode coming up right behind this episode is our interview with sam dykstra from mlb uh really cool interview and you can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I am at Zippy underscore TMS. All right. Till then. Let's go Padres. God, right, let's go Padres. Yeah.